Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. morning. Excellent. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be back here on stage being able to deliver God's Word today. So before we begin, let us have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray and I thank you for this day. I thank you that we're able to be here, we're able to meet here today and hear your words. I pray a blessing over my message today. May it touch those that are listening. And in Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. Well, it's been a while since I've been up here, and hopefully it's like riding a bike. Hopefully I'm not, not too rusty and it will come back to me. Now, for those that are not aware or have forgotten, the sermon series that we're currently looking at is the journey to the cross, moving beyond our fears. And our first week, we looked at moving beyond our fears of constantly having to do something. Last week, we looked at moving beyond our fears of being lost. And this week, we are delving into the topic of moving beyond our fears of letting go. Now, I don't know about you, but the topic of fear is not an easy topic. And when Simon asked me to preach on this specific topic of the fear of letting go, I was like, Phew, yeah, that's going to that's gonna hit hard. That's going to be a bit too close to home, I think. But obviously I said yes, so here I am. Now, I first want to ask a question before we sort of get into this. Now, the question is, have you ever asked a question and not liked the answer? Have you ever asked a question and not liked the answer that you got in return? Now, I want to just leave you with this question because I want that to sort of be in the back of your brain as we sort of delve into the rest of the sermon here. And so let us just go into the passage, Luke 18, 18, 29, and we're just going to reread it, rehear it again. Now, a certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All these things I have kept since a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. When he heard this, he said he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him, at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to, rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we have had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brother or sister or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Now, I would imagine for a majority of people here, for us here today, we're very familiar with this passage. But for those that aren't familiar with this passage, I'm going to break it down, and hopefully this will be a good refresher for everyone here. Now, 
The book of Luke details the life, the teachings of Jesus. His road to the cross, his death, and his then resurrection. Interestingly enough, Luke places this story at the beginning of his public teaching, whereas other gospel writers sort of place it towards the end of his public teaching. Scholars believe that Luke places this passage with other similar teachings and parables to emphasize the characteristics of being a disciple of Jesus. Now, here we have a story where someone comes up to Jesus and asks him the question. Now, this is a fair enough question, right? It says in verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a big question, right? How do I get eternal life? Huge, huge question. But put yourself in the rich ruler's shoes. If you knew that the prophesied Messiah was wandering around town, was going, teaching, performing miracles, you would want to go up to him and ask a few questions. And if you knew he was about to leave town, you're like, why not? I'll shoot my shot. I'll go ask him about eternal life. Why not? You know, there's no harm in that. What's interesting is we can compare this interaction with the young ruler with the interaction that Jesus has with Nicodemus. In John 3, 1, 3, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one who can perform the miracle signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. See, in both interactions, a ruler, someone of notoriety, is seeking spiritual guidance. And what do they do? They graciously praise Jesus, and they try to exchange pleasantries. And you would too you would be trying to exchange pleasantries. I mean, that's the polite thing to do, right, is just exchange pleasantries with someone. And you're explained, and especially if it is someone of notoriety or someone that you respect, you're going to exchange the utmost of pleasantries with him. But what does Jesus do? He's not having a bar of it. See, he cuts straight to the point. And again, in both instances, this is jarring for the rich ruler and Nicodemus. They are not expecting this. This is not what they've grown to accustomed to. It would just be easier, you know, if, so, if you complimented someone, you're like, come on, just take the compliment, all right? Just, just take it, and then we, can, then we can move on in our conversation. But see, this further emphasizes the point that Jesus is trying to shake things up, to change people's way of thinking, to bring a new covenant, See, Jesus knew that he needed to act straight away because he knew that the Jewish people of the time needed to abandon some of their preconceived notions, some of their preconceived thoughts and assumptions of God before they were, under, they were able to understand further truths, before they could really understand what Jesus was coming here to do. Now, this point is a minor point in sort of the entire passage that we are looking at today. But it's a very important one for us to remember. We can fall into the traps 
of going into situations with our preconceived notions and our preconceived thoughts. Now, this can be good, but it also can set us up to fail. We lose the ability to learn and find new understanding if we don't go into situations with an open mind and an open heart. That goes for all aspects of our lives, and especially when we're reading the Bible. Now, moving back to the rich ruler. See, he asks this question, and what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus replies in a very Jesus-like fashion. He asks a question. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. See, there's the challenge. Jesus is challenging the rich ruler, challenging his preconceived thoughts on God and of Jesus. Jesus then continues in verse 20, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. And what does the ruler say? All of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Now, what is interesting about this response is that we can deduce from his response that he was a good Jewish person, that he was following the commandments, the commandments that Moses brought to his people. And just like the Pharisees, he too was upholding the legalistic view of these commandments. See, we can see that in the book of Matthew, through the Sermon of the Mount, that Jesus is trying to push further than just the legalistic interpretations of the commandments, relating murder in its roots of anger and adultery in its roots of lust. He's trying to push deeper than just the surface levels. This is what it is. This is what it says. Just go and do. It's trying to get, he's, Jesus is trying to get deeper than just that. One question that stands out is that if the rich ruler was following these commandments to a T, right? And why did, why did the rich ruler come up to Jesus? Why did he need to ask this question? If the rich ruler was following these commandments and believed that through good actions and through the actions of following the commandments, God will judge you on the commandments and how well you were following them. If he was following them to a T, why did he go up and ask about eternal life? Now, we could argue that, well, he probably felt quite inadequate in his spiritual preparations, that maybe he wasn't following them quite to the letter, and he was trying to seek out either a shortcut or seek out further guidance from Jesus. And because through his response of, I have followed all these since I was a boy, we could also argue that he's forgotten what the prophet Isaiah has said. In Isaiah 64, 6, all righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now, do you remember that question I asked you before? Have you ever asked someone a question and not like the answer? Have you ever asked the question and not like the answer that you got in return? Well, the rich, the rich ruler did not like the answer that Jesus gave him. In verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, 
you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. The rich ruler could not go through with selling all of his possessions and giving all of his money away. After following all the commandments to the letter, the one thing he could not do was the one thing that Jesus was asking him to do. Now, this passage is a very difficult one for us to sort of grapple. And it's one that we sort of try and get our heads around, but I would argue we really don't like it, do we? We really don't like what Jesus is asking of the rich ruler. Because if I was to tell you here today, go out and sell all your possessions, go out and just give all your money away, look, maybe you would donate some of your money, but would you give all your money away? Would you actually go out and do it? No. You would then come up to me and go, Josh, you're crazy. I can't sell all my possessions. I can't go out and do that, especially not in this society. Not especially that this society is so grounded in money. We would not survive with this. So I would argue that we sort of like to wrap a nice little bow around this passage. And then we like to say, well, what it's actually meaning is not necessarily about money and selling possessions. It's actually about what are we worshipping more than God? You know, are we worshipping money more than God? Or are we worshipping our Netflix account more than God? And don't get me wrong, this is a very good lesson, yeah? I don't want to dismiss the lesson of what are you, what are you worshipping more than you are worshipping God. However, I want to go deeper than just that. So instead of us looking at this, what Jesus' response, I want to reframe what Jesus is saying for us here. And I want to ask the question, what do you need to let go? Now, this is a very daunting question. What do you need to let go? This might be a very difficult question for us here. And especially because you might be sitting there going, yeah, I don't need to let anything go. If anything, I just need to add more stuff into my life. You know, I just need to do more. So let me add something else onto this question to help you sort of understand it and wrap your head around it. What do you need to let go in order for something new to start? What do you need to let go in order for something new to start? You see, Jesus was asking the rich ruler to let go of his safety net, let go of his safety net of wealth in order for him to follow Jesus. Like the rich ruler, we can get stuck on that letting go part. And we forget that when we let go of an aspect of our lives, that means that something new can then happen. We create this room for a new thing to sprout and grow. the rich ruler would have been able to not only follow Jesus, but be amongst his disciples. See, I would argue that if Jesus just said to the ruler, come and follow me, I would then argue that the ruler 
would have been able to do that 25% of the time. Because if you've got wealth, you sort of don't want to leave it, do you? If you've got a really nice house and really nice possessions, you sort of want to go back to that day in and day out. You sort of want to go back to it and go to your possessions. So, and Jesus was wandering, moving around, going to, going to town to town. I would argue that the ruler would have been like, great, I'm going to go follow you, but only when you're in town because I want to go back to my comfy bed. And so I would argue Jesus knew this. And so Jesus struck at the heart of the ruler's of what the ruler wanted and asked him to let go of his safety net so that he could fully follow Jesus in where he was going, like physically follow him. And the same thing applies to us. New things begin when we let go of the safety nets of life. We do not grow when we are comfortable. We grow when we are uncomfortable. It's like learning something new. If you've ever done any further learning, if you've ever done any further education, if you've gone to uni TAFE or you needed to do a short course because your work required you to do it or anything like that, some of those things are quite uncomfortable for you to learn. especially if you really can't grasp it at the beginning. Now, I'm going to try and use an analogy, and I hope it does land, but I would argue that for those that, have, that know how to change a car tire, did you learn how to change that car tire when the tire was full and you were driving around and the car worked all fine? I would argue for a majority of people, and it might not be everyone, but a majority of people learned how to change a tire when it was flat. Now, a flat tire is a very uncomfortable situation to be in, especially if you're running late to something, and then all of a sudden you've got a flat, and you're like, oh, great, I've got to go deal with this. But after you've learned, the next time you're in that situation, it's a bit more comfortable to be in. And then the process continues until you're very comfortable in it. What is God asking you to let go in order for something new to start? See, for me, I've been grappling with this question for a while now. And I think I, think I know the answer. Um, and I think, I don't know, I've, I think I've come to terms with liking the answer now. For me... God is asking me to let go of the safety nets of a safe, typical nine-to-five job. And for those that don't know, I work in the film and TV industry. And specifically, I work more so in the camera department side of things. And that's all freelance work. That's all job-to-job work. And there are weeks where I'm very busy, or there are weeks where it's quiet. And it's so quiet that I start to worry that when the next job is going to come in, when the next time I'm going to get paid because I've got bills to pay. And that is uncomfortable for me. I don't like it. I like structure. I like order. I like the knowledge of knowing that everything is fine. 
And so if I succumb to my safety net of just having this nine-to-five job, I sit in the comfortability of it. I don't have to worry about when my next invoice is going to be paid. But the flip side to that is, I lose the ability to, to work in the film industry. I lose the ability to pursue my passions. I'm not being able to use the gifts that God has given me. And as a result, I'm not trusting in God. I'm not trusting that God has got my back. I'm not trusting that when I jump into the deep end, as, as very scary as it is, that God is not there by my side, that, he, that I am able to use my gifts and my abilities that he has given me. I'm not, through my safety nets, I'm not putting my trust in God. And the rich ruler in this passage was not putting his trust in God, in his trust in Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord or your heart and learn on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That new thing that you need to start by letting something go is that straight path that God will provide for you. So as I wrap up today, I want us to be thinking about this question. It's a very difficult one to sort of grapple. Not only is it difficult to try and discern what God is trying to actually tell you, because that can be difficult in itself, because you'd be like, God, give me a sign. No, not that sign. Give me a sign. And it's actually that sign. But to actually go through with it, that's a, no, that's a whole other kettle of fish. I mean, just look at Jonah. God asked him to go to the city of Nineveh, and what did he do? He was like, nope, I ain't going there, and he went the other direction. To help us discern what God is telling us, I want, I want you to think about what do you value in life? What are the things that, in life that are taking up the most amount of your time? This may be something like you're spending too much time by yourself and you need to let go of spending that time at home so that you can create more time with friends and family. Or maybe it's spending too much time with friends and family, so you need to cut that back so you can work on yourself. You might need to let go of your comfy job so that you can pursue the things you are really passionate about, the things that God is calling you to do. These things are going to be all very specific and very personal for you. It's going to be very individual and everyone is different. No two person is going to be the same. But once you've worked that out, seek out the help of friends and family because you can't do this on your own. You need that support network around you and pray about it because guess what? God's got your back too. Ask God. Put your, put your trust in God. Mark 9.23 says this, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. Again, I ask the question, what is God asking you 
to let go, in order for something new to start. What is God asking you to let go in order for something new to start? Let me just close and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again that you can hear, we can hear your word. I pray that you give us the strength, the ability to let those aspects of life that are holding us back to go, those safety nets in life, that we can just let them go, that we can put your trust in you, Lord, and we can jump into the deep end. I pray that this, we can start this new thing, Lord, and that even though it may be scary, you've got our backs and it is in your plan, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.